The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today's show, as you uh, most likely know, is called Sinister Plans for the New World Order, Political Thriller or Reality. Now, I'm going to give you a warning <laughs> Um, it is going to be controversial. Of course, most of my shows are controversial. Um, and, but, but seriously, this is more than, than, you know, most. Um, and it's going to be disturbing. That's sort of the main thing. It's that, um, people don't want to believe that this is true. But I also think that it is the invaluable canary in a coal mine, potentially. And so you should know about this, whether you choose to believe it or not, or or act on um, some of the you know some of the warnings or not that's up to you but it, you certainly should know about this uh, my guest today is John Skura he's the author of a new book entitled Battle Him Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order and he um, is a journalist he is uh, had has done an amazing amount of research for this frightening research that demonstrates how politics, economics, and the media are controlled by a small group of elites who are marching steadily towards global control. Mr. Skira is also a journalist. I said he was a journalist, but he's also an Emmy-nominated TV writer, producer of shows uh, that you would be familiar with. They're uh, hosted by top entertainers and news analysts, including people like Merv Griffin and Tom Snyder. So, uh, John, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Carol. Uh, thank you for having me on. You know, I, I, one of the things that interests me about this is that, and you're in L.A., um, too. Uh, do, I don't know if you remember, there was a show on years ago uh, on, oh, I don't even know what channel, it, what station it was on, but it was a man, was it McMasters, something Masters? Um, anyway, he used to talk about a new world order, and he people, you know, he, he had quite a um, significant time block on the station. And when I was driving around, you know, LA traffic, um, I would listen to him from time to time, and it kind of seemed to make sense, but it was just too overwhelming or frightening and too um, political thriller type stuff. To believe it, of course, I didn't want to believe it. And then now your book comes along. You're, uh, he was looking at it, I think, more from a religious point of view. You're a journalist, and um, uh, you know who's done a ton of research. And so this keeps, you know, this 
has popped up or has been around, and, and I'm sure you have lots of new research, but it's, it's been here for too long to ignore this. That's why I was interested in having you on, because, you know, it can't, <laughs> we have to give it some credence. So tell us, tell us all about it. Well, yeah. First of all, the, the term New World Order was, uh, was not invented by George Bush Sr., which some people seem to believe. He used to use that in speeches. But uh, it goes back to the uh, early 20th century. Um, and <clears throat> in my research, I, I, I've noticed that uh, uh, the plan for a New World Order by these particular people, um, and this, of course, is generational, obviously, goes back to the 18th century. Uh, that's as far back as I traced it anyway. Maybe it goes back further. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> the crux of the plan is this, that uh, <clears throat> that we have basically, um, uh, we, we end individual sovereignty of, of, of nations and uh, that there would be uh, basically a one-world government with a one-world judiciary and a one-world police force and uh, and so forth. And with the you know with the obvious uh, uh, direction being toward uh, you know control by a small cadre of uh, extremely uh, powerful and incredibly rich individuals, um, and that's pretty much it in the nutshell. Um, it is frightening. Um, their plans um, are are pretty well along, and um, you know as you can see from. Evidence like the uh, European Union and things like that; those uh, such a thing was unthinkable mm. just uh, a century ago. Um, so anyway, um, the book is basically a wake-up call for people, or an attempt to wake people up um, to to uh, something that's going to affect each and every one of us. So, who were these people when it started? I mean, what? How did they sort of get together to start planning this? Uh, well, again, I, I took it back to the 18th century, and, uh, you know, I, I, I tread very lightly on the term Illuminati because it's, you know, there's a, I don't know, there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in the study of these people. But uh, actually, what I traced it back to was a man named Adam Weishaupt, uh, who started the Bavarian Illuminati on May 1st, which, oddly enough, is now celebrated as May Day, mm-hmm. way back in 1776. Um, he had help from William of Hesse, who uh, happened to be uh, the benefactor of the first uh, of the Rothschild banking companies. Um, uh, in 1773, which is a few years earlier, um, uh, it rec- there are records of a speech uh, by Meyer Rothschild, who was the uh, the grand uh, uh, Rothschild, the uh, the uh, originator of the uh, banking house. Um, this uh, Meyer Rothschild made a speech to uh, 12 wealthy Europeans in Frankfurt uh, to show his plan to gain control of most of the world's riches and resources, hmm. uh, thereby controlling most of the world population. The speech gave 25 instructions uh, to this end, and Rothschild urged uh, using these to foment a revolution in France uh, because of uh, the political riches uh, that, uh, that were available there. Now, uh, Weishaupt put this plan into motion in 1784 uh, with his own document, uh, basically uh, restating these 25 instructions. But uh, oddly enough, one of the weirdest, weird odd, oddities of history, Bavarian th- uh, authorities saw it, and uh, they only saw it because 
the man that uh, that took the document uh, was a messenger. He was actually struck down by lightning, hmm. and uh, the document was found on him and given to the uh, Bavarian authorities. And hmm. of course, it's, as soon as they saw it, um, they decided that the, you know all of these people who were named in the document uh, had to be kicked out of the country. So they were kicked out of Bavaria. Um, most of them infiltrated the Masonic lodges in France, and uh, in a few years, uh, illuminated, illuminized masons uh, uh, basically fomented the uh, the uh, French Revolution. Hmm. Okay. Now, how? Because and how? Okay. How did and how would that further their end? I mean, besides making chaos. Well, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, on the back of our dollar, uh, there is a Latin ins- inscription that says, order through chaos. Mm. Okay, and that's mm. their end, you know, to, to create chaos, to, uh, mm. you know, to to basically, un- you know, uh, take out the ruling classes and replace them with themselves. And um, basically, uh, you know, that's what they achieved in the French Revolution, um, they got uh, they got rid of the Catholic Church. Mm. Uh, they got rid of the king, and um, and they made uh, enormous amounts of wealth. Uh, they fomented a war uh, in the Napoleonic days that lasted twenty five years, and um, you know made the bankers an incredible amount of money. As you know, uh, the bankers, uh, you know, when nations go to war, they have to borrow, and this creates debt, mm. and uh, the bankers are suddenly. Uh, in power over the uh, the rulers, mm. even though they were royalty. Mm. Uh huh. And so, what were some of these instructions? Well, the, I put the instructions uh, in the in the back of the book as an epilogue. Okay, mm-hmm. and basically, there's just 25 instructions of, you know, uh, just how to take over, say, the press. Um, you know. Um, Banking, you know, ruling houses and things like that, and um, you know, uh, I, I put it in the back of the book just to uh, just to let people know that this was indeed a uh, you know uh, an old plan from the uh, from the 18th century. Okay, so if if they found this list and these instructions back then from this <laughs> this lightning struck messenger. Um, Besides throwing the people out of Bavaria, why hasn't this become more well-known, and why haven't people taken steps to prevent these things from progressing? Well, um, you know, as, as it's progressed, you know, now we're in the 21st century, um, you know, these people have become more and more powerful. Uh, just to point things out, um, you know, our mainstream media here in this country, uh, all of you know, the television, uh, you know, a lot of the radio, all of the newspapers and magazines are controlled by just five corporations. Hmm. And uh, they pretty much, you know, uh, say what, you know, what, they, uh, what is good for the program, okay? And if, there's, there, if there is news that is not good for the program, they, it won't be reported. Uh-huh. And you know, as you know, um, you, the most effective form of editorializing is is simply not to report something, right? And uh, so, anyway, uh, you know, uh, that that's just one of the facets of uh, of their, you know, incredible control that they have now. 
Um, the other thing is, uh, of course, they have... Uh, uh, and by day, I'm talking about, uh, you know, international bankers, um, heads of uh, multinational corporations and things like that. These people are... They're wealthy beyond our imagination, okay? We cannot imagine the amount of wealth and power that these people have now. So starting from this group of 12, how did they, um, allow, how did they decide who was going to be allowed into their elite group? Like how, you know, who said, you, this bank, Mr. Banker, over here, you can come in, and, you know, was it just how much money they had or, or what? Well, um, you know, like all secret societies, this is, uh, it's, it's sort of built like a pyramid. Um, the man on the top, um, he, ha- he answers only to two other men underneath him. This is the way it was designed way back uh, by Weishaupt. Um, so the man beneath the second rung know nothing about the man at the top mm. and so on. And that's the way it goes on down, and that's the way it's, it's run in, uh, say, the Freemasons as well. Uh, and in this way, um, the people at the bottom really don't know the master plan. They they only know that they're they're carrying out, say, the uh, the wishes of their immediate uh, the uh, superiors. And uh, you know, like I said, it's built like a pyramid, and uh, there are cutouts. And um, anyway, um, so you know, when you get down to the bottom, the basic. Uh, bottom rung of, say, Freemasonry, they're all convinced that they, you know, it's a fraternity uh, dedicated to the Brotherhood of Man, when, of course, at the top, the plans are quite different. So they just think that they belong to a kind of club? Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, these clubs are also, uh, you know, uh, serious political organizations. For instance, the Council on Foreign Relations, which Um. was... You know, I'm hearing the music that's telling us to uh, we need to take our first break, so I want to get back to that when we come back. Okay. Um, we're talking today, my guest is John Skura. He's the author of a new book entitled Battle Hymn, Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. You, I'm sure you uh, aren't going to be able to... Uh, you step one foot away from, from listening. You want to hear more of this like I do. So you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, so stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with Dr. With Dr. Uh, you know, you're, what you've been saying has gotten me all mixed up because it's really so overwhelming to, to believe, but obviously... You know, I know you've done a lot of research into this, and we're going to hear more about it. My guest is John Skura. His book is Battle Him, Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order. And before the break, we were talking about, I was asking about uh, how people get involved or invited into this kind of fraternity. Is it, all, is it a fraternity, by the way? Is it all men, or are there, or are there any women? Oh no, there are there are certainly women in it, but as as you can guess, uh, it's it's mostly male. Um, you know, uh, making up this uh, uh, basically an oligarchy of uh, incredibly rich and powerful men. Um, they have insinuated themselves uh, into governments, and I'll I'll stay specifically to the United States government mm-hmm. through uh, certain organizations that um, pose as say think tanks. Okay, but they're really not. Uh, one of the one of them, the earliest one, uh, is the Council on Foreign Relations, which uh, was established in the early twenties, right after uh, World War One, and uh, it was uh, partially the brainchild of uh, uh, a Marxist uh, um, called Colonel Edward House, who is an important advisor to Woodrow Wilson, and uh, he formed the. Uh, Institute of International Affairs to promote a one-world government way back in 1919. Um, the British-based uh, arm was called uh, of the International Affair of the Institute of International Affairs was called the Royal Institute of International Affairs, or the IIA, and the U.S.-based arm was called the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the CFR, and it was officially incorporated in 1921. Uh, Article 2 of the CFR bylaws states that any person revealing information gleaned from CFR meetings could would be omitted from membership. Now, today the CFR numbers between three and 4,000 members. Hmm. All of them are leaders in finance, academics, commerce, and media. Um, uh, our control press paints the CFR as an open forum, but uh, New York Mayor John Hyland, uh, way back... Uh, in 1922, at a speech, called them, quote, the real menace of our republic is the invisible government. Mm-hmm. At the head is a small group of banking houses. This little coterie of international bankers virtually runs our government for its own selfish ends. Now, that was 1922, just one year mm-hmm. after the CFR had imposed itself. Um, anyway, uh, CFR membership has produced a stunning list of presidents and presidential candidates, often mm. often running against each other for the office. Uh, for instance, uh, Eisenhower and Adlai Stevenson were both uh, in the CFR, as were JFK and Nixon, Humphrey and Nixon, McGovern mm. and Nixon, Ford and Carter, Bush Sr. and Michael Dukakis, Clinton and Bush in 92, Clinton and Dole in 96. In fact, since 1952, only one presidential election featured non-CFR members hmm. from both parties, and that was Johnson-Goldwater in 64. 
Johnson made up for that after winning by uh, introducing 387 CFR members into his administration. And that's what mm. we're dealing with here. Hundreds of CFR members, and, and mainly, in, you know, including the president, are <clears throat> these are unelected people, but they are making policy for the United States of America. Wow. So, who, okay, so getting who invites other people to join? Who invites someone to join the CFR? Well, the CFR, um, you know, they have uh, they have a board, and uh, if they they figure that somebody can, uh, you know, is worthy, and uh, you know, uh, basically uh, sees things the way they do, they do. Again, this is sort of a, a pyramid type thing. So the the people who are who are at the bottom rung, you know, they're they're kind of tickled to have been invited to join yeah. this this outfit, and yeah. they really don't know, um, you know. <laughs> Even though they're carrying out uh, orders, um, they don't really understand the uh, the master plan. And uh, in fact, uh, at this point, when I headed this section of the book as Confederacies of Dunces, because of that, mm-hmm. um, not that dun- not that dunces are at the top; they're very ruthless and uh, and uh, and uh, they're not they're not stupid. But the people at the bottom are well-meaning, and uh, they they don't realize uh, what they're doing. Anyway, uh, a former CFR member, uh, who <clears throat> Admiral Chester Ward, said uh, that the single objective of the CFR is to, quote, to bring about the surrender of the sovereignty and the national independence of the U.S., end quote. Um, hmm. This is a whistleblower, okay? And that's basically what the CFR has been aiming at for, like I said, nearly a century now. And um, every uh, administration since they've uh, they've formed uh, has been heavily populated by the CFR and also by the uh, Trilateral Commission which was formed in the early uh, 1970s uh, basically to deflect growing press attention on the CFR hmm. uh, it's a more open organization and it's ostensibly uh, meant to create uh, cooperation among the nations of Europe North America and Asia hence the trilateral name hmm. um, now, the Commission presented its agenda uh, in something called the Triangle Papers, which, uh, according to author Gary Allen, revealed, revealed uh, four major thrusts. One was to rearrange the world monetary system. One was uh, using U.S. resources to cause third world radicalism. Uh, another was increasing trade with the communist nations. And finally, uh, gaining more economic control through an energy crisis. Uh, these were, you know, the marching orders of the Trilateral Commission when it was formed. Now, economist Doug Henwood, formerly of the, the Nation magazine, wrote that each member of the triad has collected uh, poor nations. By each member of the triad, I mean, you know, uh, each country in Europe, North America, and Asia. Uh, they've divided up the poor nations to act as sweatshops, plantations, and mines. Uh, the United States, for instance, has Latin America. Uh, the EU has Eastern Europe and Africa. Uh, Japan has Southeast Asia with Taiwan and Singapore split between the U.S. and Japan. And India is shared by all three. Um, basically, they're just, uh, you know, uh, looting uh, the uh, natural resources of these uh, third world mm. nations and uh, using the cheap labor, uh, you know, for their industry. So, okay, so if someone gets invited to join, they're flattered because it seems like you're joining a prestigious group. 
um, and they have this these lofty, you know, pretend goals. But then when they get their instructions, um, don't they see that these instructions have to do with looting or bad things? <laughs> well, yeah, a couple do. As I mentioned, Admiral Chester Ward left the CFR and yeah. uh, blew the whistle on them. But it's you know, it's very there's very few because the ones at the bottom. They aren't given anything really dastardly to do. They're uh-huh. they're, they're they're carrying out uh, orders that they you know they don't understand what the main agenda is. Uh, they don't have to be told. Uh, it's 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 all it's on a need to know basis, and sort of, and like I said, a, a sort of a pyramid structure. Hmm. And um. But they are helpful in some way, or else they wouldn't have been invited to join. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, they are they are unwitting helpers, I guess. That, uh-huh. Those are those at the bottom, anyway. So, um, and of course, I'm going to want to get into because it just begs the question of this current administration, who's been called the Manchurian candidate to begin with, and who, um, you know, who clearly is Marxist and everything else. But um, but before that. Um, I guess what's surprising me is that if there are all these people involved, um, and even and even what you were saying, like a whistleblower, why? I mean, what is it? People just don't want to believe this. Like I was saying at the beginning, that you know, when I started hearing these things on the radio, I didn't want to believe it. So other people, I mean, it does sound like a political thriller, like a sci-fi novel. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, the press is the press is controlled. It's not reporting this. Yeah. And um, if if they do touch on it, it's usually to ridicule. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's sort of like uh, uh, you know anyone who who says the word conspiracy, for instance, yes. is going to be uh, you know uh, a wacko. Yes, and uh, that's one reason I, why I personally do not use the word conspiracy in the book at mm-hmm. all. I, I quote other people using the word, but not me. Uh-huh. Uh, because the the word has just become anathema. Yes. Um, and you know it's it's rather ridiculous if you just sit down and and think about it. Um, powerful men make plans. That's how they became rich and powerful. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, that's why that's why America is asleep right now. I think it's uh, the media is controlled. The main mainstream media, mainly uh, by the people in these. Well, by the five, there are five, as I mentioned, five corporations controlling right. I mean, the but entire the corpora- mainstream media. Uh, say that again? There are only five corporations controlling the entire mainstream yes, media. But all five corporations, except for um, Fox and so, I mean, um, Rupert Murdoch's group, presumably, um, the other four, are they involved in this new world order, or I mean, have they been infiltrated? Or I mean, we we see them, of course, as mostly democratic. But how does that? What does democ- Democrats and Republicans have to do with? Like, how how does that line up? Well, first of all, I uh, I, I can't remember the math who said it, but uh, I quoted someone uh, very wisely said that there is not a dime's worth of difference between the two political parties, yeah. um, and there really isn't. Um, so um, anyway, it's not a matter of infiltration in, into the uh, the media. Uh, the media is owned by by these interests. I see. I see. And um, you know, as I said, uh, there's a lot of editorializing going on. You're not getting the full story because uh, you know certain things that are 
say, uh, not advantageous to report are not yes. being reported. Yes, absolutely. And other things that are just flat-out uh, inventions are being reported. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take this... Uh, well, we wait before we take it. Thing, wait you know. before we take anything. We need to take an, we need to take another break. Oh, sure, unfortunately, okay. but um, we do. My guest is John Skura. His book is called "Battle Him: Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order." You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about a sinister plan for a new world order, political thriller or reality. And as you're hearing... It certainly seems more and more like reality. My guest is John Skura. His book is Battle Him, Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order. Um, I do want to ask you, and by the way, at the, in the last segment, I'm going to ask you what, after we're all, uh, you know, thoroughly terrified, um, what, uh, I'm going to want you to tell us what it is that we can do with this knowledge now that we have it. But let's, let, before we get to that, um, I did want to ask you about the current administration, and certainly people who have heard my show uh, more than once <laughs> know that um, that I am not a fan of Obama. I, in fact, for both elections, I did everything I could having people on who wrote books revealing Obama's background, and, and uh, I worked on the McCain campaign and everything else. So um, I, I think I think Mr. Obama is is the worst president that we've ever had, the most frightening president. And that he has gradually talked about plan um, year by year, driving this country into the ground. So, what is this? You know, is he involved with this new world order? Presumably. Well, Carol, I, I I've come to the conclusion that uh, you know the American presidency is uh, is just a figurehead now. Um, they're right, they're really not calling the shots, and I don't think anybody. Uh, and that's held that office has tried to call the shots since JFK, and we all saw what happened to him. 
Mm. So, um, anyway, in any case, uh, I dedicated a chapter to the Obama administration because it happens to be the administration in office when I wrote the book. Uh-huh. And um, uh, I kept it very simple. You know, I uh, I didn't try to uh, single him out as the worst president or anything like that. I merely listed the number of people in his uh, cabinet who are members of the CFR, the trilateral, either, either the CFR, the Trilateral Commission, or the International Bilderberg Group. Uh, um, you know, and many of many of them were members of all three. And this was his first administered, you know, the first uh, his first term. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are gone now. But in any case, I you know, I just trying to point out uh, to the. Uh, I don't know, the Obama cultist, that he's really, you know, his administration is really no different than the previous ones. Well, except that it is going really towards more, um, uh, you know, more of this one, more more control in the government. I mean, everything, you know, these executive orders, for example, that he's putting out, not even bothering to go through Congress, just deciding things on his own. Yeah, yeah. There is, you know, definitely. uh, He's ruling more by decree now than any other president I can remember. Um, I remember Nixon using executive orders a few times, but he's already passed Nixon. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the thing about no guns, you know, trying to get rid of guns. Not that I'm. I mean, I'm a big anti-media violence activist. You know, I talk about all the. Uh, why there shouldn't be violence in in movies and television shows and especially video games and all that, but and and I'm uh, not for toy ki- giving kids toy guns, but you know, and in an ideal world we wouldn't have guns altogether. But ever since Obama's been in office, um, there is this sense that we each that people <laughs> that the people need to have some kind of protection um, that they shouldn't be relinquishing. Yes, of course, there's you know, the more guns, the more people get killed, and, and, you know, it's not a great, it would, ideally we shouldn't, it would be great if we didn't have to have them, but I think there is this sense that the government, we can't just put our trust in the government. Well, yeah, and there's also a sense that we, we need our guns to protect ourselves from our government. Um, exactly. You know, there are some very disturbing things taking place now, uh, um, the press is not really reporting it, but um, if For I remember example, correctly, 30 generals have been replaced uh, by this administration. Um, so there's, you know, there's sort of a purge going on, um, mm. trying to get, uh, and you know, and this is just supposition. But one of the vetting questions that they give them these these generals is, would you order your troops to fire on American citizens? Mm. And apparently, uh, you know, if if the answer is no, that person is uh, is, uh, is is shown the door. Wow! And uh, also, uh, just last week, uh, the National Guard and I forget where it was. I think it was Ohio, was training. Um, you know, training to uh, uh, to uh, to combat um, you know American citizens who. Uh, were uh, in favor of the Second Amendment, okay? Mm-hmm. People, you know, it was just, it was like a war game against uh, a supposed enemy who turned out to be, uh, you know, Second Amendment uh, <laughs> citizens, huh. uh, you know, who, who who took up arms. All of this is very, very disturbing, and so is the uh, the, ammun- the amount of ammunition that uh, 
uh, Homeland Security and other agencies, uh, federal agencies, are buying. Even the post office is buying. And they're, uh, you know, they say that, oh, we, well, it's just for, you know, target practicing. But the ammunition they're ordering is, uh, is you know, definitely not for target practice. Huh. It's, uh, what you call I can't think of the name now, uh, the, uh, the type of bullets. Uh, uh, you mean like in um, hollow automatic weapons kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, no, they're ordering hollow point a- ammunition, and and every anybody who you know knows guns know that knows that hollow point is it's it's just too expensive to use. It's just uh, target practice ammunition. It's, uh-huh. Hollow point is uh, is intended to to kill humans. Uh-huh. Um, you know the bullet uh, it's hollow pointed in other words, so it it has to splatter when it hits something, mm-hmm. and uh, you know take out. Uh, uh, a number of uh, organs on on the inside, and uh, they're buying millions of rounds of this hollow point. Um, why would the post office need ammunition? Well, it's it's another federal agency, but yes, it's absurd. I mean, I, I actually laughed when I saw that. Hmm. Um, but you know, Homeland Security has been buying millions and millions of rounds over the last uh, few months. So I, you know, it's just disturbing. I don't know what they have in mind. I really don't. Uh, it's also caused. Uh, you know, a dearth of ammunition for the citizenry um, uh-huh. who want to buy it. Well, okay. Um, so I guess again, I, well, so well. Let, let, one question that's coming to mind is how obviously a book like yours is incredibly important. But if all the the media is controlled by these five corporations who have been who. Belong to well. I mean, you're not saying that like Rupert Murdoch and Fox is part of this new world order. Well, why not? Uh, Rupert Murdoch is a stupendously rich man, and uh, you know could very well be uh, part of the cadre. Yes, um, but I mean, he at least that for now that's the sole voice against the current administration. Yeah, yeah, but uh, again, it's it's you know there's got to be some uh, even even if it's uh, phony. Some kind of opposition, otherwise, you know, we, we're, we're going to look like 1984 here, you know. Well, that is what we're looking like, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, you know, without any opposition. Yeah, yeah, um, I understand what you're saying, but at least, um, yeah, but I'm surprised, <laughs> I'm sur- I mean, uh, Glenn Beck is gone, and he was, he, I liked him a lot, he was very, uh, you know, he, he told it like he thought it was, and, and, it's surprising that O'Reilly, whose show I've been on numerous times, um, you know, he, his life is in danger, I guess. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, like I, mean, I said, this, the... could be, this could be journalistic theater that we're well, watching on, on Fox. You well, know? okay, but I mean, he is pretty powerful and convincing. So if, if he's just the straw man that's supposed to be, you know, to show that, okay, all the media isn't 100% the same, um, you know, he, he does a pretty good job. Well, yeah, and again, it could be theater. Um, you know, he, you know his, uh, his criticisms of Obama are, are pretty lightweight, uh, you know, compared to what, what could be said. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I understand and, what you're uh, saying. I, I promise you he would never have me on, okay? Well, yeah, that's where that. I was going. So, okay, so your book is obviously really important. Obviously, we're just touching the surface, and we'll tell people where they can get it and so on. But um, how are you, you know, you're going to have a, are you having a hard time um, getting on all these shows talking about this? Well, uh, no, but I mean, there are certain, there are certain outlets that, uh, you know, would, you know, certain like, uh, you know, Coast to Coast AM and, yes. and your show and things like that. 
that will use it. But uh, you, you probably will never see me on the O'Reilly show. Um, I, it's just that, uh, you know, again... Um, there's this ridicule of anyone who suggests a conspiracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they just, you know, they, we, we are dismissed out of hand. Yeah. Okay? And uh, so that's why I say, uh, you know, um, the whole Fox thing might be a, a bit of theater for, uh, for our benefit. I see. Well, all right. What about, I know you wanted to tell us about the Federal Reserve and the, the uh, consolidation of all the banks. Yeah, yeah. I have a section, and I, I consider it the heart of the book, called uh, The Trail of Tears, and it just plots, the, you know, how central banks came to be in America. Do we have enough time? Because this will take a while. Um, well, we have about five minutes to the next break, and then we'll have about ten more minutes or so. Okay, well, let me start with the, uh, a bit of history then. When, when America was a British colony, uh, its government printed its own money. It was called Colonial Scrip. Uh, and it was printed according to the demands of trade and industry, uh, and it was printed without charging interest. Uh, this changed with the Currency Act of uh, 1764, which was forced upon the colonials by British Parliament at the urging of the Bank of England. Um, suddenly, colonists had to accept the uh, British currency and pay interest on it. Uh, this caused an economic depression and unemployment immediately, which, according to Benjamin Franklin, was the principal cause of the revolution. Hmm. Uh, after winning independence, Americans were convinced by Alexander Hamilton to create a central bank overseen by a wealthy elite class. Uh, though opponents accused Hamilton of being an agent of international bankers, uh, Jefferson among them, uh, the Bank of North America was created in 1781. It practiced what, was, what is called fractional reserve banking, which is lending money it did not possess at hmm. interest. Uh, the new bank was tasked with printing America's currency, which immediately plummeted in value. Uh, four years later, Congress refused to renew the Bank of North America Charter, uh, following a ruinous inflation and fraudulent practices. Uh, but Hamilton kept going. He succeeded in getting the government to establish another central bank in 1791. It was called the First Bank of the United States. About 80% of his capital came from private investors, uh, among them foreign bankers like the Rothschilds. Uh, this new bank soon followed the path of its predecessor, uh, creating uh, inflation, which, uh, uh, in which prices rose 72% in five years. After 20 years of causing ruin to citizens, the bank came up for renewal in 1811. The charter was defeated in Congress, causing Nathan Rothschild overseas to follow through on his threat and uh, this is a quote, either the application of the charter is granted or the United States will find itself involved in a most disastrous war. Hmm. Okay, that war turned out to be the famous War of 1812, and it did spell disaster for the young nation. Uh, it drained our treasury and destroyed our national credit standing uh, so that America had to renew the central bank charter anyway. Uh, this occurred in 1816. And when the government issued 20, uh, a new 20-year charter to the Second Bank of the United States, the new charter was identical to the re- previous one, meaning that 80% of the prime stockholders were private investors, mm. many of them foreign. Now, Andrew Jackson became president in 1828. I, I'm sorry, John, I have to interrupt you. I'm getting, uh, we're, 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 it's time for another break, so we'll okay. have to take this up when we come back. We'll get to Andy later. Is John Skura. His book is Battle Him, Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order, and that's what we're hearing. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll be right back. 
I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about a sinister plan for new world order, political thriller, or reality. And my guest, John Skura, has written a book, Battle Him, Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order. And we're hearing, we're hearing highlights. Obviously, this is a very, um, you know, <laughs> it goes back uh, hundreds of years, and so it's hard to, to digest it all, no less hear it all, um, in, in an hour. But um, I, so I'm, I hope that these highlights will uh, tempt you to... <laughs> to figure out that you need to know more about what's going on and to get his book, and, and I'll be telling you where you can do that. Um, so, John, I, I, I know we only have a short time. If you could just kind of bring us, uh, tell us a little bit about the Federal Reserve, because that's where you were going in terms of the central bank. And then, you know, the, the bottom line question, now what, besides hiding under our covers? Yeah, okay, well, the Federal Reserve uh, came into being in uh, 1913, um, under uh, Woodrow Wilson, um, uh, Polly, the, uh, the the powers that be uh, saw to it that Wilson uh, would be elected because they know he the, he was friendly to them, and uh, his opponent was not friendly. So what they did was they uh, Morgan talked. Uh, this is uh, Morgan, um, uh, the uh, the oligarch um, talked. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt into jumping into the race uh, in a third party, and what that did was steal votes from um, uh, uh, who was running against uh, Wilson, and Wilson won the election, and the Federal Reserve was put into place. Mm. Now, um, the Federal Reserve uh, is is not part of the United States government, okay? Uh, It is a privately held corporation. It consists of 12 Federal Reserve banks uh, serving different parts of the nation, uh, the Federal Reserve Board of Government, uh, Governors is an independent agency that receives no congressional funding. It has uh, seven members whose terms of service are often longer than those of our presidents. 
Um, now, the owners of the Federal Reserve are anonymous. Their identities are hidden even from Congress hmm. and the President himself due to the provisions of the Federal Reserve Act, which stipulate that Class A stockholders shall never be revealed. Hmm. Now, uh, owing to the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, this privately owned, foreign-dominated institution prints all U.S. currency and charges us interest for it. The ability of the Federal Reserve to print money that has no backing and has le- it has led to a constant state of inflation uh, that has caused the dollar to shrink to about four cents compared to its value in 1933. Um, in other words, the Federal Reserve, it, it's, it's doing a job that our Department of Treasury can and has done uh, at no interest. And the Federal Reserve, especially nowadays, you know, with the crazy printing of money under this administration, uh, the interest is is so enormous that it it takes up the entire personal income tax paint revenue every year. All right, so the revenues that uh, and this was shown by the way during the um, Reagan administration. Uh, he uh, he started a commission to uh, hopefully to you know to try to uh, stop some of the waste in the in you know tax spending of tax dollars. And they came back with the uh, horrifying uh, result that um, every dime goes to pay the interest on the uh, the Federal Reserve charges wow. uh, on us for uh, you know for, <laughs> for printing their money. So you know this is a, this is an albatross around the neck of every single citizen of the United States. Wow. So and and we've been kind of relying on them more and more with the recession, where they're they've been kind of bailing us out supposedly. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, first of all, the bailouts are only proof that taxpayers are reliable for the losses suffered uh, by privately owned banks, uh, including the Fed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money comes uh, from our personal income tax, as I said, all yeah. of which goes to the Fed as payment on interest charged for printing America's. Money supply. So, so how could it be? I can't imagine how there could be something where, where the 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 heads of it aren't known. I mean, like for example, even if you're just a small business or Ford Motor Company, you know, a big business, um, you're the president uh, and the you know the different officers and have to be known to the government. How do they get away with not? being known. Well, that was the provision of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Oh. This is a horrifying thing that that took place in 1913, and we're all paying for it ever since for 100 years now. But why doesn't somebody do something to change that? Um, <laughs> well, you know, uh, the last person that went against the Federal Reserve was John Kennedy. Hmm. Um, he, uh, he actually... Uh, ordered the United States Treasury Department to print something like $4 billion uh, based on our silver reserve, and they would do so interest-free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, we all know what, what happened to John Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. He made a lot of enemies, but one of them was the Federal Reserve uh, Class A stockholders. Um, like I said, these are incredibly powerful men. Okay, so since we don't have much time left, here's the question. Great, you know it's it's certainly you've convinced me <laughs> i mean I mean I'm sure there's obviously a lot more to it and but it, you've convinced me that there's something to be very, very, very concerned about. so what do we do about it? Well, I didn't write anything about that what to do about it? 
Well, because, uh, no, my book is simply, uh, it's a journalistic, uh, secular approach to this problem. All I did was present evidence. What can we do? Well, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, the, the, the last vestiges of our democracy are still in action, and we should, we should try to use those uh, with our representatives and let them know that, yes, you know, we are concerned about this. We do want the Federal Reserve out of our lives, okay? Treas- the Treasury Department can print our money. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a start. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, you know, we have to be open to uh, third and fourth political parties because, like I said, the Republicans and Democrats are, are thoroughly corrupted. They're, they're completely under control of these, uh, these international oligarchs. Many of them are, you know, not American citizens. Now, okay, in, internationally, d- does that include com- countries like in the Middle East, that, you know, terrorist countries? Well, no. I'm talking about international bankers, okay? These are men in Europe, mostly. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Germany, Britain, Bank of England, the Rothschild Empire. Um, you know, they've had controlling interest in this country for well over a century. And uh, in, in doing that, they control policy. And in some cases, uh, they're, they're almost like kingmakers. They, uh, they actually choose presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the impression that Obama was, was chosen. Well, yeah. You know, yes, Absolutely. Um, to be a puppet, to be the Manchurian candidate. Well, yeah, I, I, that's a nasty word, but I, I do see him as a puppet personally. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so are you making sure that, I mean, I don't know who would be footing the bill for this, but are you trying to um, make sure that your book gets into the hands of, of like, this, all the con- congressmen? Well, I, I'd rather it got into the hands of the populace. Um, yes, you know, yes. But... We, we are the ones that are regarded as the enemy by these people, and they do fear us because there are so many of us. Yes. Um, so, um, anyway, it's just, as I said, it's a wake-up call, and America needs to wake up. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> I've been trying to wake America up since 9-11 to the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> it could happen again and that terrorists haven't given up and that we need to stop being in denial and and start preparing for this marathon of living under the threat of terrorism and be healthy psychologically and physically and all that. And it's a very hard to get Americans to wake up from their lattes is a very hard task. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you can, it's understandable because, you know, everybody's got their concerns, the mortgage and the kids' education, yes. and, you know, I mean, you know, they don't have time to worry about these things, but they have to understand that it's, it affects them and it will affect their children and grandchildren much more severely. Yes. Well, I want to make sure, I want to give out, uh, of course, everybody knows that you can get books like this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, but also you were saying during the break, um, people should go to the website of the publisher, which is blackrosewriting.com, blackrosewriting, W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. Well, I thank you very much for sharing some of these highlights with us. I mean, you know, uh, we do need to read the book to really get to know the underpinnings in more detail. But um, I'm glad, at least I, I feel I'm, I feel glad that I was able to bring to my listeners um, some of this information that people may not have known about at all um, to, <laughs> to as a wake up call. Exactly. 
So again, thank you very much, John Skura. Again, his book is called Battle Hymn, Revelations of the Sinister Plan for a New World Order. So the solution isn't to hide under your covers, but it is to find out more about this. Um, you know, if you're, if you're still thinking, oh, this is a conspiracy or, oh, this is hogwash because it's hard to, you know, no one wants to believe that this is true. But for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, you need to be at least be knowledgeable about it so that, um, so that when certain things come up for votes or when you're voting between two candidates, you know, you, you know some of the things to look for. So again, John, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.